episode 176, Emotional Eating Causes, Complications, Solutions. I'm your host, Dr. Justin Trosclair, and today we hear Trisha Nelson's perspective. Join 2017 and 18 Podcast Awards nominated host and best-selling author on Amazon as we get a behind-the-curtain look at all types of doctor and guest specialties. Let's hear a doctor's perspective. Everybody, welcome back to the show, episode 176. Oh my goodness, there's been so many, and this one will not disappoint you. It's a heavy topic, emotional eating, overeating, reasons people do it, why it's so hard. You know, you lose 10, you gain 20. Trisha Nelson joins the program to talk about that in her book, Heal Your Hunger, which also has a podcast of over 300 episodes. Pretty impressive. Hey, if you're looking for some things that we've released on the show recently we have the rehab and fitness series 13 different people you can go to a doctorsperspective.net slash rf to download the guide jam-packed with great people hey not to just self-plug myself here but i was on the dr ed osborne's the chiropractic philanthropist show not too long ago uh you can go to a doctorsperspective.net slash d-r-e-d to hear that we talk about uh, China and the one sheets and he asked five questions and so I just give you my answers to them like if I can go back what would I tell my past self positive affirmations those types of things also to learn more about the one sheets and CV revisions that I can do you can check out a doctorsperspective.net slash modern Cairo that's with Dr. Kevin Christie with the chiropractic marketing show and oof, we go deep into it a great guy. He's got a great marketing book. So really happy to be on that show. That's enough about that. All the show notes and the transcript, usually within 24 hours of release, is a doctorsperspective.net slash 176. Let's go. Hashtag behind the curtain. Live from Cologne, Germany in Los Angeles, California. Today on the show, we have a person who dealt with uh, emotional eating and losing weight and keeping it off, wrote a book about it in about 2017. Uh, It has a decent amount of reviews, I would think. Uh, It's called Heal Your Hunger. She's got a podcast. I thought I did okay with my podcast. She's got well over 300 episodes. My goodness, that's a ton. And we're just going to talk all things about emotional eating and all that entails because it's just such a heavy topic for so many people, men and women for that matter. So please welcome Trisha Nelson to the program. Thanks for having me. Great to be here, Justin. I'm excited. You know, this is a topic that so many people can just be like, well, let's let's talk about weight loss and all this kind of stuff. And they don't really get to the root of like why you were eating so much to begin with. Yeah. And I mean, I know I can suffer from boredom eating or just mindless eating while I'm doing something. And that's always a bad situation. But I think that's different than uh, being trapped with your emotions and not even realizing it. What say you? Yeah, well, um, that was the case for me. I mean, I was 50 pounds overweight on account of my mindless eating. Definitely, it was fueled by emotions as well. So I work with people who struggle with food and weight like I did. And I, I'm telling you, I struggled for years. And, you know, the, the way you do when you first, you know, realize you're overweight and you want to get it off is you do a diet. Like, let's go on a diet. And you do the diet and you might be successful for a couple weeks, but if you are an emotional eater, that's going to uh, lose its power. And uh, before you know it, you're going to be back to eating again. And so that's why we have 
people who are yo-yo dieters, which was me. I mean, I'd go up 30, down 10, up 20, you know, down 20, up 50, you know, and I hear it. I hear it all the time, you know, people, especially when there's some big emotional thing in their life, you know, like people are saying all the time, like, oh, I was doing good until the pandemic happened, you know, and then I just lost it. I just lost it. And that's so many people. They just go off the rails with eating and it, it is emotional. It's emotionally fueled. And it wasn't until I knew as an emotional eater that I, you know, started to really deal with those underlying causes because before that it was just, endless diets and endless exercise programs, pills, potions, lotions, 12-step programs, even went to an eating disorders therapist. So those things didn't work for me because they were still focused on the food and the weight. And Mm. I really needed to go deeper to the underlying causes. Like you said, why am I eating in the first place? Why am I you know, constantly snacking or constantly checking the refrigerator, you know, to see what else might have appeared there? Yeah. And that, that it, it did have emotional underpinnings. So when I learned how to face those emotions and deal with life on life's terms instead of using, you know, turning to food every time I was stressed out, that's really when I was able to heal. And so my program and the work I do is based on my own healing journey. You know, and I've been researching this and on my healing path for 30 plus years now. So that's really what I teach people is what I did and still do to this day healed, you know, because I'm not cured. So day at a time process, boy, it's great to live in freedom and no longer be obsessed with food. Do you think that there's a couple of things came to mind, but yeah, when we're talking about like emotional eating versus say boredom eating, is it easy to identify which one you are? Yeah. So boredom eating, I'm going to break it to you here. Uh, <laughs> it's not, it's not just boredom eating. In my experience, boredom eating is habitual eating. Like we're just used to snacking. We're used to like, like having space and then being like, how can I fill the space? And part of that is just, you know, our culture of busyness and culture of distraction, you know, with social media, with so many things pulling at our attention. It's definitely a habit. Like I got off the couch. I went to the bathroom. I might as well check the kitchen. Yeah. How many times you ever go pee? You always go into the kitchen and grab something. Yeah. For sure. And for other people, you know, it's not just boredom eating and I will, they'll think it is. But if somebody's an emotional eater, when we don't have anything going on, when we have space, you know, and, and we're, we have a break from the busyness, that's when we have feelings. Okay. That's when emotions, emotions start to bubble to the surface. Even though we feel like we're bored, it's more, you know, that we're just, we're uncomfortable with that space, kind of want to fill it because if we don't, we're going to be aware of things we normally aren't aware of when we're in busy mode. And so there are buried emotions that we're just out of touch with, things that happened in the day that, you know, didn't sit right with us, but we're moving too fast to stop and pay attention or fight with the spouse in the morning that just sort of you just you blow it off because you got patience to see. But all of a sudden, like, you know, in those spaces, that's when you start to remember, oh, There were some things that happened today that were kind of uncomfortable or there's something happening tomorrow that I'm not looking forward to. You know, I got to finish up my taxes. Let me just fill that space so I don't feel that uncomfortable reality. So there's a lot more to it. Like I when I first heard of the terms emotional, the, the words emotional eating I thought, well, that's just stupid. I like food. Like that's all there is to it, you know, cause mm-hmm. I do. I'm a foodie. I love food. But the thing is that wasn't all there was to it. I mean, the fact is I was an emotional eater. I just wasn't in touch with it. 
because when you are eating a lot and you're a snacker, um, you're kind of numb. So you don't realize how much of your eating is emotional because you don't feel any emotion. You know, you don't feel anything. You're numbed out. Came to my attention, like this idea came to my consciousness about emotional eating. I started to observe my eating and I'm like, you know, it's not normal. Like the way I eat is not exactly normal. Like I'll go out to, you know, lunch with friends and they'll order a sandwich and will come with fries and they'll eat their sandwich and pick up their fries, but I'll always eat my fries and pick up my sandwich, you know, back in the day. Oh. So, so I was drawn to heavier, starchier, greasier, sugary foods. And that was for emotional reasons as well, because in my experience, the reason why we love ooey gooey chewy foods is because they're heavy, you know, they're heavy and they put a blanket over our emotions. You know, and so we don't snack typically on lettuce because that's not no going to do the job. We need the heavier stuff because it'll it'll numb the feelings. And so that's really what I started getting hip to is like, wow, I, I want to be numb. Like, I don't want to feel anything negative. Sure. Give me the happy, happy high notes, but don't give me any, any of the low notes. You know, I just want to be up all the time and food and being checked out enabled me to do that. So there's two things here then. How are you? Able to, you know, sit in the silence is where you're going to feel that that pain, if you will. Yeah. Watching TV is a nice way to numb yourself out along with the food. It's just a double combo there. So are there ways to kind of handle the situation and process it? Preferably, you know, you can do it with a counselor, but ways that you can do it at your house so that you're aware of it and you can say, okay, this is bothering me. Let me stop what I'm doing and actually because nobody wants to stop and do anything. They don't want to read books. A lot of people don't want to read books. They just want to watch TV and they don't want to process these emotions. So is there an easier way or just a nice uh, dip your toe in the sand in this process? Yeah. What I do and what I teach my clients is to start the day with a centering routine because when we're, you know, a lot of our eating is stress eating. And so we have to do something about the stress. Starting the day with a centering routine, meditation, prayer, reading spiritual literature, you know, listening to meditative music, going for a walk praying, as I said, uh, these things can just help us feel centered and grounded. And we have to have that because this is a busy time, day and age. It is busy. And there are so many things really demanding our attention. Mm -hmm. And so we have to start with getting tuned in to ourselves first. Like we have to get grounded. And, you know, too often it's tempting to just look at your phone, look at your email, jump out of bed, go exercise. But I find that if I start first with a meditation practice and a prayer practice, journaling is another good thing. This can help me sort of start my day, and I call it putting money in your spiritual bank account. Just sort of get grounded and get connected with who you are instead of all the people who demand things of you and all the, you know, all the different roles you play in life. And when you do that, that's, you're being fed spiritually. Like you're getting nourished during the day, you know, first thing in the morning. And you can draw on that, you know, those deposits you made in your spiritual bank account later in the day. Cause, you know, people who are emotional eaters tend to have the hardest time in the afternoon and evening because the stress is built up. You know, we've had many appointments throughout the day. We've had a lot of people asking things of us and stress is there. Things have happened. Conversations have happened you know, and we're stressed. And so that's when we sort of break down and start snacking from that quick energy. But that's when we need to draw on what we've deposited earlier on in the day. And if we haven't made those deposits, we're on empty, you know, there's nothing in the bank account, 
you start using chocolate and coffee and wine to as a pick me up as to, you know, help us get through the day. And obviously pot's another one. So it's just not and it's it's not the best way to get that quick energy. Um, and we have to draw on, you know, our own ways of nourishment that are healthy instead of unhealthy. So to answer your question, um, definitely starting the day with, you know, some really nourishing self-care tools, having those tools at the ready later on in the day. You know, I actually do a second meditation in the afternoon and people are always like, I don't have time to meditate. Well, it's like, you know, the truth is we do. We all have time. Like we all have 24 hours, like everybody has 24 hours. The truth is a, a break for 20 minutes, a timeout from seeing clients or patients, you know, just 20 minutes is a small investment for a total quick, you know, hit of positive, healthy energy, you know, where you can get through the day for the rest of the day. And honestly, you'll eat less. Like I find my dinners will be 200 calories less or fewer, you know, if I've spent that time just investing in that. But, you know, beyond that, I mean, there's apps that can give you some relaxation, even taking a 10 minute walk around the block, you know, when you're stressed out or just need a change of your state. Um, these are things that you can do. You know, of course, the people who are really on the far end of the spectrum of emotional eating or in the food addiction realm, they really need community. Like they can't just pull out their bag of tricks, you know, that's not mm -hmm. going to work for them. They have to have community and be soul filled in that way. So that's going to be super helpful as well. But I will tell you, I, I offer you something which I call the pep test, which can be a way to start at least tuning in. Okay. Pep test is a way for people to start understanding what not, you know, we all know what food's doing to us, but what it does for us. So we can start asking the question, like, is this food I'm about to reach for serving one of these functions? And PEP is an acronym and it stands for painkiller. So we use food to kill pain, emotional pain, um, you know, and that could be anything, any kind of stress, any kind of relationship issue, any kind of business issue, whatever. Like we can use food as a painkiller for that. We can reach for food as a form of escape. So that's the set the E and PEP is escape where we just don't want to deal like we've been dealing all day long and we just get out our goodies at night and our TV and we just check out. So it's like, just leave me alone. Like I don't want to deal anymore. So that's a big driver. And the last one is punishment and emotional eaters are emotional. And we over, I always say overeaters are over feelers. We feel a lot and we beat on ourselves a lot. We're super hard on ourselves, super critical of ourselves. And food can be a way to just beat ourselves up. And of course, then we beat ourselves up for eating. So it's a vicious cycle. Yeah, that's probably the worst cycle right there. Yeah, for sure. I overeat so, over lunch and then you start overeating more. Yeah, it's, it's just it goes on and on. So P is a painkiller, E is escape, and P is a form of punishment. That's the pep test. So I say to people, take the pep test when you're going to the refrigerator, opening it up for the umpteenth time. Ask yourself, like, what's what kind of pain am I trying to escape from? What kind of fears or worries do you know? Or what kind of pain am I trying to kill? What kind of fears or worries am I trying to escape from? And what kind of guilt or uncomfortable, you know, relationship issues am I just? wanting to punish myself about because I just think I'm unworthy and piece of shit. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, yeah. and it's, you know, that those might be deeper things that people aren't in touch with, but you, if you at least start at, like pausing instead of eating and asking the question, like what's really going on, that's a good place to start. I like your idea because if you focus in the morning, you may know what's going to happen that day. 
I got to have that meeting with that guy I don't like. I know it's going to be a problem or some interaction or some phone call or this. So you can kind of pre-shadow your day and know that, okay, before I do this meeting, I'm probably going to need to take a, at least a minute to just collect my thoughts and uh, get clear. So yeah. I like that, the pep test. That's cool. <laughs> have you noticed there are certain emotions? You kind of said some just now, but any emotions that tend to lend itself to wanting to overeat and emotionally eating, like just basic stuff, or it could be you were traumatized as a kid somehow, or just go that deep or no? Well, here's the thing. Most people who struggle chronically with food and weight are emotional eaters. Okay. So, I mean, honestly, I think we're all emotional eaters. You know, I think that we're hardwired to have an emotional connection with food. That's why breastfeeding is such a beautiful bonding experience for mother and child, but some people just take it too far. So I was one of those people who just took it too far. I was 50 pounds overweight. I was a binge eater. You know, I would eat and then I'd start losing, I'd lose control. So what does that mean for somebody? You like three scoops of ice cream and you go back and get two Oreos and then, oh, I have some little Debbie snacks in there. And then, yeah, yeah, just, pretty much. Oh, carrots. Oh, yeah, the carrot. Oh, but wait, I got peanut butter. So I eat peanut butter and carrot. And you're like, dude, what did I just do all night long? Yeah, that's, you just called it. I mean, okay. I mean, mine, mine were a little more extreme than that. <laughs> it wouldn't be two or three Oreos. <laughs> It'd be like two rows completely, but you know, be the whole pint of ice creams. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's just, it, you start with a few bites or one bowl, you know, one bowl of cereal and just keep going back mindlessly. And it's before you know it, you're stuck. Like you just feel sick and you're like, Oh my God, what did I do? Like what, like how did that happen? And why did I do it again? So it's like a lot of that self condemnation. Like I can't believe I just lost control again. And it is, you know, not everybody goes that far, but you know, we all know what it's like to lose control, you know, and eat more than we planned. So it's just a matter of how often somebody does that, how much, how easy it is for them to course correct and be like, okay, enough already. I gained five pounds. I'm going to take it off. You know, I'm going to, you know, exercise more this week. I'm going to cut out sweets and boom, those five pounds are off. You know, you've got that person who can course correct. So they're on the lower end of the spectrum, but those who can't course correct where once they open Pandora's box, they can't shut it, you know, where it just goes on and on. It's a, it almost sounds feels like religious guilt. I'm not supposed to do this. I did it. I feel guilty. Well, I already did it. I might as well just keep doing it. Yes. And then what's the point? I've already, you know, gained this much weight, you know, and you just, you, you hide out, you don't want people to see you. And then, and because nobody can see you because you're doing all your business on zoom or whatever, you just, you, you do more of it. So it is a vicious cycle. That's, that's on the higher end of it though. The more, that's where you're more in food addiction realm is that when you can't course correct, and also you have a lot of consequences, like from your weight struggles, you have back pain, you have autoimmune issues, you have gut issues, you know, obviously sex life drops. Yeah, totally. You don't want to be, you don't want to be having sex. You don't want to be touched. You don't want to be seen, you know, naked in the dark or in the, in the light. So yeah, there's a ton of consequences that you don't normally think of, but it goes far. Like the, this condition, you know, not to mention the depression and the self hatred and the low self esteem. I mean, it's a wide variety of negative consequences. And that's really when somebody's more in the addiction realm and it does it kills relationships no question about it is it just willpower do i just need to be tougher stronger better and uh, every time you mess up you're just weak and worthless 
uh, well, that doesn't work. The willpower thing doesn't work so well. <laughs> like, so no. <laughs> that was you know? a softball for you. <laughs> yeah, thanks. It totally, you know, when it is an addiction, I mean, think about alcohol. I mean, alcoholics can't control it. They can't control Once they take a drink, it's like all bets are off. And that was true for me. Once I eat sugar, all bets are off. No, I didn't have willpower from the beginning. I didn't have willpower. And that's why the spiritual element is so helpful, similar to 12-step programs. It's like, I better have some kind of way of nourishing myself spiritually, you know, and something that gives me power because I don't have it. Like, I don't, I can't just stop. I can't just do it. Um, like people want us to do it. You know, so many people will look at fat people with a lot of derision and a lot of like, what's wrong with them? They are lazy, you know, out they get it together. You know, don't they know we have an obesity epidemic going on? They're a bad role model for their kids. What's, you know, what's the story? But these people can't help it. Like they can't make themselves do better. And that's why that community element is so important. I mean, I have me in my programs, a community of emotional eaters, and we connect on Zoom in groups, you know, for group coaching. And the people are so happy and relieved that other people have the same problem and they can connect with them because they feel so crazy. Like they do feel lazy. They feel like they, you know, they're already telling themselves all those negative things like I'm lazy. What's wrong with me? I can't get it. You know, but when they're with other people who can't get it either, they start to realize, okay, this is a thing. Like it's a real thing. It doesn't have to be these crazy fat people. Not at all. 250 and you're five foot. We're not talking those massive people. It could just be someone who always is 25 pounds heavier and they yeah. know what's no, the deal. No, it's true. I have a lot of, most of my clients aren't obese, you know, like mm-hmm. they are, they're struggling, like you said, with those 20 to 30 pounds, but that makes a big difference in how you feel about yourself. I mean, 10 could Corona. Eating yeah. good chocolate, eating bread, not caring, you know, just not even not being not, everybody. You know, what an excuse. The gyms are closed. I can't exercise. Well, we both know there's plenty of YouTube videos and you can do 100 push ups. But the motivation, it was so hard to be yes. like, let me get on my floor and do this. It's- I couldn't do it. I used to go to a class, you know, a bar class and, and they offered it on Instagram and I tried and I'd quit after 10 minutes. I'd just be like, I don't feel like it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, (laughs) thankfully I wasn't overeating, so I didn't, it didn't change my weight, but those who were overeating and didn't have the exercise to offset it, that's why exercise is not a good weight loss plan because the minute you overeat, I mean, I could never exercise enough to offset how much I ate. You can't even offset a Coke half the time. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So true. All right. Let's see. Nobody overeats on salads and, and pinto beans and hummus, typically, I would say. Is there a less caloric food, you know, if you're going through the struggle and you're just like, all right, all right, I know I'm not there mentally, but maybe I can just give myself less caloric food that still tastes great and gets me that that feeling, but I don't have to feel quite as guilty? Yeah, I mean, there are. I mean, in terms of sodas, you can make your own soda with stevia and seltzer water, you know, um, you can make snacks out of seaweed. That's why popcorn's so big for emotional eaters, because you get a lot of bang for your buck. So you can gain a lot of weight eating the carbs and fat, but people will try that way, you know, find different hacks. But my experience is if you're an emotional eater and you struggle with your weight, those hacks aren't getting to the underlying causes. The hacks don't hack it. Yeah, they don't (laughs) hack it for sure. You know, you can chew gum all day, but if. Oh, that's a joke, huh? (laughs) (laughs) I used to kill my jaw eating so much gum. But it's the truth is you got to go deeper. You got to deal with you know, the stress. You got to have self-care in your life. You can't go go all the time without having it show up in your waistline. 
Do you find that they should definitely see a counselor to uh, unpack maybe some of these deep emotions? Like, I don't know, maybe their dad or their mom never said they loved them or maybe they had an abusive relationship or, you know, they hear somebody talking about them from when they were a kid. Yep. And there's definitely trauma there. But my experience is therapy isn't always the best solution because then you're just sitting and talking and thinking and talking, whereas if you want results, you got to do, you know, so it's really important there has to be a very specific action plan for overcoming emotional eating. So therapy, you can talk about stuff and yeah, it's not that you can't get benefit from that, but if you want to overcome emotional eating, if you want to lose weight, you're going to have to, you have a, you need to have a plan that addresses the eating issue and specifically why you're eating. It's not just because of one specific thing that happened as a kid. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of people will say, Oh, I know I eat because my mom was an alcoholic. My dad was not, al- my dad was a rager or whatever. That's not it. Like it's not, mm. it's never one thing. Cause what happens as kids, when we have trauma and I had sexual abuse in my past, which is very common for emotional eaters, but I abuse of any kind, but you know, you have that one trauma, but then you develop coping tools to deal with that of which food is one, but mm. there are others. So you have to deal with the trauma as a kid with very few resources available to you. So you develop these personality traits and then you bring the, and they save your life. Okay, but then you bring them into your adulthood and you have this dysfunctional way of relating to the world. And that's not just one way. That's a, that's a whole panoply of ways, personality traits. And I, I go into this in my book and in my program is that I call it the anatomy of the emotional eater. And that's like 24 personality traits that are very common to the emotional eater. And these mm. traits come from that trauma, but it's not just one, it's many. And so again, you can't just say, okay, I'm going to deal with that event as a kid or that person in my life that was traumatizing me because you've already it's you've already morphed into all these ways of coping that you bring with you into adulthood. And those have to be unraveled because that's happening real time, like real Mm -hmm. time. We're creating the compulsion to eat. We're creating the stress that causes us to stress eat. So you can talk about your past all day long, but you got to deal with your present and what you're doing today that's causing your cravings, you know, and we have to unpack that because that's going to give you the most immediate results. So you don't, you don't need 20 years of therapy to do that. And, and I lay out these personality traits for people so they can identify it right away. And just to take it out of the abstract, you know, the number one trait of an emotional eater is people pleasing, you know, and people pleasing goes back to our childhood when we had trauma when we had a raging parent, you know, you'd better be a good people pleaser because you got to, you know, escape the rage, you know, you got to placate the parent who's causing all kinds of trouble, um, or is about to hit you. So you become really good at adapting, really good at caretaking, really good at people pleasing, but then you bring, you know, and it saves you, it saves you, you know, you don't get beat on, maybe as much or at all. And then, but then you bring that people pleasing trait into your adult life and you're always signing up to do the extra project at work or you're, you know, you're afraid of your patients, you know, because they're, they're angry, you know, and you don't stand up for yourself or you give too much or you don't have, you don't raise your rates, you know, I mean, there's so many Mm. different ways that people pleasing shows up, you know, you're always the one to drive all the kids to soccer or do all the baking or bottom line is we when we run ourselves ragged trying to please everybody because we have this habit of people pleasing and trying to get validation from outside of ourselves we exhaust our adrenals you know we're stressed out we're tapped out but not only that but people aren't as 
pleased as we plan on them being. So then we're resentful as well. (laughs) And you're burned out too. (laughs) Yeah. You're burned out and you're pissed off and you go home and you have the, I deserve it binge. Like screw them. They're not going to appreciate me. At least I'll, you know, I'll reward myself. You know, that's an example of how it's got nothing to do with the trauma from the past. It's got nothing to do. I mean, not nothing to do, but it's, it's, you know, very many times from that. Yes, many layers, and it's really got nothing to do with food. It's just our way, our maladapted way, life, that creates the stress we end up stress eating over. Well, I think that's great. So you really covered just about everything you need in your book to... It depends on the person. I have some people read my book, and it just like unlocks like everything for them, and they're good, and I get... I get emails like, oh, I you know, lost 50 pounds. <laughs> yeah. but, but most people can't just do it from a book. So my book definitely makes like it'll make so much sense out of this whole thing because it, it's a whole different perspective than the diet and exercise approach. But at the same time, community and being with other emotional eaters is so vital to your healing journey. Just like alcoholics need Alcoholics Anonymous, um, my my experience is emotional eaters need other emotional eaters. And so that's why I do most of my programs in the group setting on Zoom um, because they it, it feeds our soul at a deeper level. And it's never food that we're really hungry for. You know, my business is called Heal Your Hunger because it's the deeper hunger that needs to be filled. And when we're in community with other people who know what it's like to be powerless over a donut, it really soothes us. It really helps us feel like, Oh, I've got my people, like I'm with my tribe, you know, and it, and there's a, there's a healing in that identification and in that mutual support. So it's hard to do it just from a book for sure. Although that will, it's a great place to start. But for 10 bucks, who cares? Try it out, guys. It's a great place Gals. to start. Yeah. <laughs> it's not expensive. And, yeah. And if you're, you know, a, a practitioner and you have patients who struggle with food and weight, you know, you might not understand them and you might be thinking, and you might even say things to them that are going to mess them up even more. Cause when you tell them to just moderate, you know, or just eat these sweets in moderation, that doesn't work. You know, you might be saying things that, you know, or just try intuitive eating. These are nebulous terms. You know, they don't, you know, are mindful eating. They're good ideas, but if somebody is an emotional eater, they can't do that. Like they have trouble actually following through with that kind of advice because they're too far gone. Definitely don't be a part of the problem by suggesting things that are going to just make your clients feel alienated and worse about themselves. I think this is cool because you can get the book, read the book. If you like what, what you're talking about and you're like, I, I resonate. I'm not a counselor. I'm not trying to dive deep into this. But if you find that it's a good book for other people, more than likely you can go to healyourhunger.com and reach out to you and probably even be like, look, I want 50 books, get a better deal. And then you can give those out to patients or resell them for like half the price or whatever, just so these people have something to go home with and be able to do something with it and, and address it on their terms. Yeah, and it'll make them feel so much more understood, you know, rather than giving them another diet. They, they're not stupid. Like anybody who struggles, yeah, they know what to eat. You know, they know that salads are better than pizza, you know, and roasted vegetables are better than hamburgers. So, so they're not stupid. They're not lacking in diet, you know, diet knowledge. They're, they're really lacking in the ability to follow through. And that gap is where the emotional eating lives. And so you'll actually be, helping them feel like you get them when you give them something that takes them deeper. Cause so many of them are like, you know, they, they're not even, they're, they're afraid to even hope that they can change cause they've tried and failed so many diets. Like there's a really, the sense of defeat, That's tough. it's a real sense of defeat. And it, when you can just really 
help them, you know, show them that, hey, it doesn't, you don't have to diet. Like there's actually a whole different approach, which is dealing with why you're compelled to eat in the first place. That's going to give them hope because they're going to be like, oh my gosh, there is something different that I haven't tried yet. You know, one day, I think when I go back to America, my wife and I, I think we'll probably have some class. Like I wrote a book and part of the book is about what we're talking about a little bit. But uh, a lot of people don't like vegetables because they never had good vegetables. Yeah. Oh, let's eat some steamed broccoli. Are you kidding me? Steamed broccoli is gross. You really have to put some – and not cheese. Okay, you put cheese on your broccoli, you ruined your broccoli (laughs) because now it's not healthy. I was in China for a while, for a long time actually. So I learned how to cook that way. My wife knows how to cook that way. Once they taste good, my goodness, eggplant is quite delicious in lots of ways. But I was like, man, we can maybe have like a cooking class or something and and invite the patients or charge a small fee. It's a great idea. To have them come out and do an experience and then you have a Facebook group or something because like you said, the tribe is where it's at right now in 2021 is just how you, I think, sell stuff these days as well. I mean, this is a doctor podcast. We talk about this all the time, marketing and things. So so let's switch gears a little bit and we're going to respect your time. But something we always ask is how do you keep the love alive in a marriage, in a, in a committed relationship so that we're not just divorced? And especially if you do have like an emotional eating that can have a toll not only on yourself, but on your spouse. Yeah. And I teach this a lot. And I will say I actually did get divorced and I'm in a new relationship after divorcing. So not, I'm not, I can't teach a whole lot about how to. Is this a rebound? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I've had a few relationships after my divorce, but but I have somebody who knows how to cook really good vegetables. <laughs> so that helps a lot. <laughs> but actually, I mean, really, all kidding aside, I, you know, have so many clients. My, most of my clients are women. And I have to say that, you know, I remind them that living with an emotional eater is not easy because when somebody struggles with food and weight, first of all, it's an hunt, it's a 24 seven obsession an obsession like we emotional eaters are obsessed with our weight like we're obsessed with our weight we never feel good enough you know we have self-esteem issues we don't feel worthy of love so if you're a doting spouse of an emotional eater chances are that person has had trauma and they can't accept much love you know or they doubt your love or they create roadblocks to love I mean I can trust me, we could do a whole show on that. That's an issue uh, for sure to live with somebody like us who's hiding food, sneaking food, feeling guilty about eating, always on a diet, always going off a diet, you know, always in, in different size pants, has five different sizes of jeans in their closet because they never know what size they're going to be, doesn't want to have sex. Doesn't want to go to parties. Yeah, doesn't want to party. Doesn't want to interact with others, depressed yeah, from it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Sex life is shut down. Uh, all kinds no, of things. No, it's true. It's it's really a racket because they don't, you know, most people, I mean, many emotional leaders have had sexual abuse. And so they're kind of messed up around sex, don't feel like it's okay to have sex or have fun in sex or, and then when you're binging, the last thing you want to do is be touched, you know, or loved on, mm-hmm. you just want to shut the whole thing down. So yeah, it's, it's really a lot to deal with. And, and it is, it's like being, it's like living with an alcoholic. I mean, there's a lot of chaos. Are you able to take a, an approach, I forget what you call it, when you can see yourself in a situation and then you can put yourself in the other person's situation, you're like for their husband or their whatever, this would be difficult. What can I do? Are they, they're just like, they're so self-absorbed in their own 
situation it's that they hard. can't. There's a lot of self-obsession, you know, when you're obsessed and you're in a hole and you can't get out. There's a lot of self-obsession. And it's not that emotional leaders, emotional leaders are the most giving people in the world too. They're great caretakers, mm-hmm. you know, but this is an all-consuming problem that no question affects relationships. Um, and they, you know, and they can be super, I know I could be super big. You know, when I was in the food and hating myself, everybody else got the brunt of it. So they, they, when I was in a miserable mood, cause I just, you know, ate a pie, you know, the, I, I wasn't very nice to be around. I was grumpy and bitter. so many of my clients have amazing husbands that are incredibly patient and loving, but it's not easy. It's not easy. Um, so and we all come in all different sizes, shapes and sizes. So I don't mean to overgeneralize either, but it's, you know, people don't realize it's not just about, you know, losing 20 pounds. Like there's a whole mental way of being. There's a whole emotional way of being that really affects people's lives and their relationships as well. So, I mean, my clients, I just had a retreat for my clients. And one of the things we did was kind of work on the relationship stuff. And and the women end up writing letters to their husbands, letters of appreciation to their husbands. Because I'm like, look, these guys need Ooh. some more. They need some love. Like, it's all about you all the time. Anyway, there's a, there's a lot to it for sure. I like that, though. But, well, you know, it's I think people forget about that part of it. And they don't want to talk about it that, hey, these things are real. These things do matter if you're trying to keep a relationship, you know, going and everything. Yeah. So that's good. Do you happen to have any resources? I mean, you've given plenty, any official books that you kind of recommend? Uh, I keep like a nice Amazon list of all kinds of different topics, but I, I think I can think of several in my own, in that list of like Harvey Hendricks to deal with the love. Like if you don't accept your love or if you don't, how do you accept love from somebody else and how you can self-sabotage even receiving that and, you know, clearing up your heart so that you can, um, Anything like that for um, us? Well, I'll, I'll recommend, I mean, certainly along the love lines. Yeah, well, I, you know, my ex-husband's book, I think, is really helpful. I, I recommend my book, because I want to understand emotional eating. My ex-husband's book, he was the one who helped me originally, and I really recommend his book to people. It's called Love Notes from Hell, about all addictions, overcoming all addictions, and it's his personal story. He had been morbidly obese, but also alcoholic and sex addicted and all that. So he's got a lot of experience to share in his book called Love Notes from Hell. Uh, Roy Nelson is his name. Gosh, I think spiritual books are amazing. Books about boundaries are good as well, because that's a really tough thing for most leaders. And I think for people in general, just knowing, you know, where you stop. People don't even know what those are. Like if you if you ask somebody, hey, you ever read that book, Boundaries? What? Yeah. <laughs> What's a boundary? Uh, maybe you should like you should like at least get the yeah. summary uh, from somewhere on Google because that's a worth a, a six. Yeah, read. there's a book by <laughs> Cloud and Townsend called Boundaries, and that's a really good book. So it's got a Christian bent to it. I bought it for my niece. I bought them six random books for their birthday. Oh, they must love you. <laughs> One hey, of them was the Boundaries you, you book. Do a little bit. All these random books for teenagers. If you want to be a cool uncle, you might have to go beyond books. <laughs> I, I told my brother, I was like, hey, what you, are you going to read him, you think? He's like, oh, no, they're going to read him. It's called summer reading. I was like, oh, perfect. Oh, yeah. Well, he's he's in cahoots <laughs> with you. That's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One day they'll appreciate these things when they're not like pregnant at 16. Yeah, give them 20 years. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking long term. Yeah. <laughs> 
what is your website again? It's healyourhunger.com, H-E-A-L, healyourhunger.com. And there's a quiz on there. If people don't know if they're an emotional eater, there's a quiz. Either somebody can take it themselves or send patients to it. Um, and it, it'll help them decide if they're an emotional eater or a food addict or somewhere in between. Um, and they get a personalized score and then they get, you know, prompts on, on what to do based on their score. If you like what we heard today and you want to get our book, you can also check it out on our podcast. I mean, seriously, there's over 300 episodes. So I'm pretty sure there's solos. I've seen interviews. So she's, I mean, that's a long time. I don't know how many you put out a, a year, but uh, that's like four or five years worth of podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. It's four years. It's been, I've had it for a little over four years. Yeah. So congratulations on that bit. Mad Thank props you. because that is intense to keep doing these over and over again. Cause you know, in the beginning you don't get in much recognition. You're not getting downloads. You're like, why am I doing this? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But then it finally shows up. So I really appreciate you being on the show and, and sharing this knowledge. I think it's going to wet people's tooth to want to uh, explore more about you, about this topic, because it affects so many people. And they probably don't talk about it much because it's uh, kind of an embarrassing thing. And um, but it needs to be talked about more and brought out there. So I really appreciate your time. Another great interview has ended. While you're on your phone, click that review button. Write up a nice review for me. Five stars if you could. As everyone says in the industry, it'll help other people to find us when we have enough rankings. Not to mention, I'll mention you and your review on an upcoming episode. If you follow me at all on Instagram, you know you only get one link. So I use a link tree. And so it's a doctorsperspective.net slash links with an S. And that's going to give you everything you need to know. The top episodes of 2017 and 2018, the podiatry series, dentist, acupuncture series, holiday 2017, financial series, how to write a review, how to support the show, like buying a cup of coffee, getting swag, like t-shirts, the Today's Choices Tomorrow's Health book, that's the blueprints for better health, exercise, picking food correctly, and financial. And then of course, bundle packs, which can get you the no needle acupuncture book, 40 common conditions, including the electric acupuncture pin at a great deal. The resources page, has some of the products that I like. It's a affiliate style, so if you buy something from them, I get a piece of that. Just like on the show notes pages, if you buy a book from clicking that link, I get a small piece of that as well. So I really appreciate that. Things like Screencast-O-Matic, PureVPN, Missing Letter, JLab Speakers, ProLone Edge or Hawk Grips. Uh, once again, if you do need any coaching on how to improve some of your blood work, drop weight, and the ProLone Diet, Fast Mimicking Diet, five-day plan. Let me know as well as if you just need some coaching, whether it's health, whether it's marketing, whether you need some practice growth, etc. Reach out. Facebook, Justin Trosclair, MCC. Of course, at a doctorsperspective.net on the top right, you got all the social media icons that you can imagine. Click your favorite and reach out. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please tell a friend, pass it along. You can go to .net slash listen. It's just that easy. It'll open up right in your app. And don't forget, I appreciate you. Listen, critically think, and integrate. See you on the mini-sodes on Thursdays and Saturdays. Hope you're enjoying those. I'm definitely having fun summarizing these podcasts in less than 10 minutes for you. You get the nuggets without having to waste your time. Have a great week. Shine.
Rádio Cidade.